Hello everyone, this is Dr. Morrison from HBM Ministries. Very glad to be speaking to you and I'm glad that you are enjoying the sermons that the Lord has left upon my heart to give to you. Today I want to use for a passage of scripture reading taken from the book of St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. And I want to read a few verses, but I believe I would only do verse 1 to verse 3. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain. When he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for this is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, the Bible said, rejoice, be exceedingly glad, for your reward is in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Today I want to start with verse, from verse 1 to verse 3. They are quite a bit to cover in this series that I'm starting. But today we'll take verse 1. Verse 3. This is the beatitude, and it speaks for himself. The attitude, beatitude. Now, here we have a general account of the sermon. <clears throat> Number one, the preacher was our Lord Jesus, the prince of preachers, the great prophet of his church who comes into the world to be the light of the world. You couldn't ask for a greater light. Many today are trying to do something and instigate something to make themselves the light of the world, but there's no greater light than Jesus. And can you imagine this day that if Jesus was not around and we didn't have him as the light of the world that will shine in darkness, can you imagine the darkness that we would be walking in from day to day. And you know when people walk in darkness, they're not able to see. They stumble into all kinds of things. They collide themselves into things and damage themselves, ruin themselves and ruin others. But thank God that he's the light of the world. The Bible asks us that we are to walk in this light for he is the light. The scripture said also that he's, 
a lamp unto our feet and he's a light unto our heart my friends he guides us and he lit up the way when we walk in his word wherever there is darkness he shines light in the darkness and we are able to walk and so he is the greatest teacher he's the light of the world he's the greatest teacher of all times and not the kind we have or we see today you have many people who come from nowhere never were they called they came out to us with some type of philosophy some kind of ideas something that somebody said and they begin to teach and preach and it's unfortunate that so many people are gullible and get excited flesh gets stimulated so they accept it and believe that that's the right thing that these people are preaching or teaching jesus is the greatest teacher of all times the prophet saint john had done virtuously good in preaching but christ excelled him his eternal wisdom that lay in the bosom of the father before all the worlds and perfectly knew he knew his will my friends and if we, if we read john chapter 1 verse 18 we will find out the scripture said that no one has seen god at any time the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father he has declared him and he is the eternal word by whom he has in these last days spoken to us we need the teacher we need him to talk to us we need him to help us and i can promise you something my friends any person that is without teaching you can guarantee that they're going into nowhere and they're going into a place of blindness because we need the word of god to teach us so that we can understand in a dark world like this when everything seems good and acceptable wrong become right and everybody's right with what they do and there seems to be no absolutes my friend that's in the world if it feels right it is right if it feels good it is good but you cannot get away from the moral absolutes that are in the bible everything we do is measured against what the bible say that we can do or we must do or we cannot do or we must not do so we have quite a lot of folks today who are making us believe that nothing is wrong just keep on doing the wrong things it's just right don't we need god in this hour with all that is around us and all the people that are speaking and all the voices that we hear every day and all the philosophies don't we need the word of god to guide us well my friends if you don't think so we do need him because this is a critical hour a crucial hour for the church jesus is the greatest teacher of all kinds of all kinds and he's teaching his people today and i trust 
that they follow. He has already laid his word down for us to follow. He's taught us what is right and taught us what is wrong. My friends, the choice is in our hands. If we want to follow what is right, if we follow good, good will become of us. But if we follow evil, our end results will be evil. My friends, what he teach, what Jesus taught, was not just anything. He didn't teach any nonsense. He has a message. And his main message, his message was, was not phony. It's not like what we're seeing today. It is not like somebody who teaches something and live a different life. Someone who teaches something and is not an example of what they teach. And I believe that every man must be an example of the things that they teach. Jesus had no phony message. His message was very clear. In Christ's message to the world was the promise of eternal life. That's what he gave, he said all the time. The promise of eternal life after repentance. We find a lot of people rebuttaling against it. They tell you that you don't have to repent. Jesus Christ already died on the cross for all of us and we don't have to do anything. We can go on and live in sin, live how we feel like, and then we'll enter into heaven. Absolutely not. My friends, you are not going to make anything that is in the Bible, you are not going to change, be able to change it to what you want it to mean. Christ already laid it down. Jesus came and preached eternal life after repentance. And his message was, he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. My friend, you couldn't need a clearer message than that. Repent. Some folks are not able to give you a direct message. They go around the bush. Instead of telling people what the word of God said, they compromise it. And they compromise it for a lot of reasons. Because some folks want a bigger crowd in their church. Some wants money. Some wants fame. Some wants popularity. So they're not going to tell you repent. They're going to tell you just keep coming to church. And as you come, they are not preaching any repentance message to you at all. All they're teaching and preaching is blessings and healings and deliverance. Listen, the gospel of salvation is way beyond that. That's not the only thing. The initial stage of every man turning in his life is repentance. Turn to God with all your hearts. And when you make a turn to God with all your hearts, then all the other things will fall in place. So Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And listen, my friend, this is a message that Christ preached up and down in the synagogues of Galilee and on the streets, on the streets. And he further preached what the kingdom of heaven is like by using many parables and explaining it. I'm glad that Jesus never leave us lost. He was very simple. He was very straightforward. And that's how we should be today. Very simple and very straightforward. He explained the kingdom of God. At one point in the book of Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a living which a woman took and hide in three measures of meal until it was all unleavened. See, he is very clear. And that is the way 
The gospel is supposed to be preached. We're not supposed to compromise this. We're not supposed to make people feel, oh, you had a good message going and you feel great and we got uh, get big headed and feel pumped up so we can come back and compromise the message again. Christ never wanted that. He preached, my friends, and, my, and I'll tell you something. He didn't care where. He made it very clear wherever he can preach. Listen to this. When Christ preached, here, we note something here. Christ's pulpit here when he was preaching, his pulpit here was not in a church. When he was talking to his disciples in this chapter, his pulpit was not in a church. And my friends, I know that if you give some of us a place to preach where there's no pulpit, we won't do it because we want the prestige. We want the honor. We want the hype. But that's not so with Christ. He will speak anywhere. And that's how you and I are supposed to do it. We have too many reservations and too many preservations and too many particulars and all these specialties. We have too many of them. That's why we are not able to give out the gospel the way it is supposed to be given out and when it is supposed to be given out because we must be confined to a particular area in a particular place looking a particular way to be able to preach the gospel. Absolutely not. It is anywhere. The place that Christ was preaching, the place was the mountain in Galilee. It was not in a synagogue. It was not in a tabernacle. It was the mountain in Galilee. And of course, my friends, as in other things, so is this. Our Lord Jesus was, was but ill-accommodated in preaches, in preaching. We want everything to make it happen, but he was never really fully accommodated. He had no convenient place to preach anymore than to lay his head on. Remember he said, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. This is what you call somebody who is so passionate about the souls of mankind that anywhere you put him, he is going to speak. That's exactly what you and I should be doing today. Anywhere you put me. And may I stop and ask a question today? Where are you now? And where you are as a child of God, have you been giving the gospel out to those that are around you? Are you able to talk? Are you able to say, I know where I am. I don't need a pulpit. My pulpit is right here. And I will speak the gospel. I'll deliver the gospel of salvation to others. My friends, if you're not doing that, well, you're not worth much. Because if you're going to wait until you get into a pulpit to preach the gospel, I don't think God is going to smile on you with that. This gospel must be preached anywhere you are. Now, Jesus didn't have a, any convenient place. He had no place to, to lay his head. And while the scribes and the Pharisees uh, has Moses cheer to sit in with all possible erase, and they had the honor and state, and 
in there, even in Moses' chair, they corrupt the law. While they had all this, our Lord Jesus, the great teacher of truth, is driven to the desert and finds no better pulpit than that on the mountain. You think today that you could do that? Are you ready for anywhere to deliver that gospel? Or are you saying, I can't do it here. He is not conducive for it. You should be able, even if you're put into the ghetto where the worst of the worst live and the conditions are not favor favorable as you would like them, you should be able to preach the gospel and deliver the message of salvation to others. We also notice something about the sermon. Not only was he on the mountain, not only did he make the, the mountain his pulpit, but the next question we ask, who was this sermon for? Who was Christ preaching to? You may say, well, he was just preaching to anybody. No, he wasn't just preaching to anybody. The word is for those that will listen including us preachers. I know sometimes preachers believe, well, I am delivering, so I don't need it. I don't need to any adjustment in my life. My friends, when we open up that scripture to deliver the word to people, to others, the first person that we see is ourselves. If we don't get ourselves straight, if we don't have it in our heart, we cannot deliver it like it should be delivered. And that's why you find today, many people just do a little wash hand type of word and just deliver, just to say, I had a sermon for today. God expects you and I to go deep in the word and in order to deliver it with passion, we must first live it. You cannot preach something that you never live. So preachers, Look at yourself again and just ask yourself, am I going through the formalities of doing something, of delivering the word, or am I really passionate about this thing? He was delivering to anyone who's listening, but especially his preachers. The people, the auditors were his disciples to whom he came unto. They came unto him. This disciples Jesus come and say, follow me. And so they followed him. So he's now delivering to them. They came to his call. To them, he directed his speech because they followed him. What did they follow him for? For love and learning. That's the disciples. But while they were following for love and learning, others follow him for cures. All they wanted is to be delivered, to be healed to feel better, and that's an awful thing for anyone to do, just to feel better, to follow Jesus. My friends, although his discourse was set up for the disciples, it was also, it also reaches the multitude. And we know that because in chapter seven, the Bible say the people were astonished. So we know other people got it other than just the multitudes, other than just the disciples. Listen, 
our access to God was free in that speech. This is how, this is how the Lord is. Our access to God is free through the work done on the cross. That's why Jesus could have carried, allowed the multitudes to come and the disciples to come. He didn't discern them. Listen, no boundaries were set at the mountain to keep the people off, those that Jesus was preaching to. There was no boundaries. And, and that's a reminder of that Christ, um, in Christ, we have access to God, not only to speak to him, but also to hear from him because there are no boundaries set. And if you really want to speak to the Lord today, if you want to get further with God, you are free because Christ already opened up that gate that you can come freely to him. Yes, we're free. My friends, listen. Uh, the mountain that Jesus was speaking on, there was no holy mountains. Not one of the mountains of Zion. There was no holy one. It was, it was not a holy one. It was a common mountain. When he spoke, look around, there was no holy mountain around there. The mountain he sat on was nothing holy about it. It was just a common place. But Jesus spoke. And this lesson, this type of thing that, that Jesus is portraying here, this lesson, this is a good lesson to us to tell us that there are no no such distinguished place for the gospel to be preached. It is the will of God that men could preach and pray anywhere. And my friends, listen, the giving out of the law was a little different. It had to be done on a mountain, and that mountain was Mount Sinai. That mountain was Mount Sinai. But Christ preached this sermon which was an exposition of the law upon a mountain because it was upon a mountain the law was given. So you see the difference? Look at the difference here, my friends. The law was on a mountain and Christ is preaching on a mountain. But watch this. The difference here is the law was given at Mount Sinai. And when it was given at Mount Sinai, the Lord came down. Now the Lord is on this mountain preaching it's not the Lord came down anymore. Now on this mountain, the Lord went up. When the law was given out, he spoke with thunder and lightning. Now, on this mountain, he spoke with a little voice. And I'll tell you something more. When the Lord spoke on Mount Sinai, listen to what happened, my friends. The people were ordered to keep their distance. Yes, but now the people were invited to draw near. And that's what we find the difference between the law and grace. And on this mountain, God's son, Jesus Christ, was showing us many things that we never had freedom to do. And here on the mountain, Christ is now pronouncing blessings. Oh, yes. One of the biggest blessings of man is when he turned away from his sins. My friends, Christ begins his sermon with blessings. For he came into this world 
Would you listen to me today? He came into this world to bless us. And we can find in Acts chapter 326, this is what the Bible said, to you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, send him to bless you and turn in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. That's how you will get the blessing. He came not only to purchase blessing on us, but to pour out and pronounce blessing on us. Would we know today, we must note that the Old Testament closed out with curse and the gospel begins with blessing. And so very interesting sermon on this mountain. He said, blessing. Now, there is about eight characters in blessing. And now let me just speak to the first one. I will stop there for today. The Savior gives eight characters of blessing, of blessed people. Just like somebody said, what is your character? You don't have a good character. You have a bad character. But Jesus had eight characters of blessed people. And these people represent to us the principal grace of Christians. This is how they are, not what many you see today bouncing around because they could dress well and they could do quite a lot of things with their talent. That doesn't necessarily make them Christian. Listen to what Jesus is. On each of them, he presents blessing and he announced, he said on each of these characters, blessed are they. And to start with today, he start with the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And now I want to spend a minute or two on this quickly. What is the poor in spirit? There's this poor spiritedness that keeps man far from blessings, from the blessings of God. And that is found in sin, this shame, disgrace, and snare. That's the spirit that keeps you far from the blessings of God. But listen, my friends, we know that. However, this is not the blessed that God is talking about, the blessed that Jesus is talking about. The blessed that Jesus is referring to is he is referring to the gracious disposition of the soul where mankind come to himself and empty himself of self in order to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's blessed are the poor. He must come to himself to the point where man empty himself of the worldly wealth to be filled with the Spirit. My friends, I don't mind telling you today, we are too fat with the things that have no heavenly value. We need to evaluate. We need to check ourselves. And we believe by hoarding and accumulating at the expense of our salvation makes us blessed. It doesn't make us blessed. Listen to me, my friends. Many people today that are poor in spirit by God's standards are the most happiest or some of the most happiest people in the world. While others are rich with the worldly goods, but are miserable and always complaining. Can I ask you a question? Which would you want to be? Meeting God's standards or meeting the world's standards? Hear me out today. My friends, 
the great high spirits that go with the glory of the kingdoms of the earth. There's a great high spirit that goes with it. Glory of the kingdoms of the earth. But the humble, mild, and yielding soul obtain the glory of the kingdom of heaven. I challenge you today, as you read the scripture, blessed are the poor in spirit. I challenge you to choose the poor in spirit according to God's standards. Emptying of yourself, emptying of worldly goods, and getting filled with the spirit of God. Here's what you do. Here's where you are. You're weighed in the balance and found wanting. Now, here's what it is. It is you, God, and the Word. And I want to ask you, do you find yourself more interested in accumulating, gathering all you can get at the expense of neglecting the main source of your life that you need to do well? And are you doing well? If you're not, or if you think that you're doing well, it won't last too long before you collapse and your life become inescapable, an inescapable battle. And you will find yourself emotionally, mentally, and spiritually disrupted. May the Lord bless you. May he keep his hand upon your life as you meditate and bless it at a pouring.